My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 76, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 29 and 30, Deuteronomy 29, and Psalm 113. Numbers 29. On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Offer a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, a year old, without defect. With the bull, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. With the ram, two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. These are in addition to the monthly and daily burnt offerings with their grain offering and drink offering as specified. They are food offerings presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. On the tenth day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly. You must deny yourselves and do no work. Present an aroma pleasing to the Lord, a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with oil, with the ram two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the sin offering for atonement, and the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Celebrate a festival to the Lord for seven days. Present as an aroma pleasing to the Lord a food offering, consisting of a burnt offering of thirteen young bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs, a year old, all without defect. With each of these thirteen bulls, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour, mixed with oil. With each of the two rams, two-tenths, and with each of the fourteen lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offering, with its grain offering and drink offering. On the second day, offer twelve young bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs, a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offering and drink offering according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the third day, offer eleven bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs, a year old, all without defect. With the bull rams and lamb, offer their grain offering and drink offering according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the regular burnt offerings with its grain offering and drink offering. On the fourth day, offer ten bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs, a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lambs, offer their grain offering and drink offering according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering, with its grain offering and a drink offering. On the fifth day, offer nine bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lamb, offer their grain offering and a drink offering, according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offerings with its grain offering and drink offering. On the sixth day, offer eight bulls, two rams, and fourteen male lambs, a year old, all without defect. 
with the bulls, rams, and lamb offer their grain offering and drink offering according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. On the seventh day, offer seven bulls, two rams, and 14 male lambs all a year old, all without defect. With the bulls, rams, and lamb, offer their grain offering and drink offering according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. And on the eighth day, hold a closing special assembly and do no regular work. Present as an aroma pleasing to the Lord a food offering consisting of a burnt offering of one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, the ram, and the lambs offer their grain offering and drink offering according to the number specified. Include one male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and drink offering. In addition to what you vow and your free will offerings, offer these to the Lord at your appointed festivals, your burnt offerings, grain offerings, drink offerings, and fellowship offerings. Moses told the Israelites all that the Lord commanded him. Moses said to the head of the tribes of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to a obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. When a young woman still living in her father's house makes a vow to the Lord or obligates herself by a pledge and her father hears about her vow or pledge but says nothing to her, then all her vows and every pledge by which she obligated herself will stand. But if her father forbids her when he hears about it, none of her vows or the pledges by which she obligates herself will stand. The Lord will release her because her father has forbidden it. If she marries after she makes a vow, or after her lips utter a rash promise by which she obligates herself, and her husband hears about it but says nothing to her, then her vows or the pledges by which she obligates herself will stand. But if her husband forbids her when he hears about it, he nullifies the vow that obligates her on the rash promise by which she obligated herself, and the Lord will release her. Any vow or obligation taken by a widow or a divorced woman will be binding on her. If a woman living with her husband makes a vow or obligates herself by a pledge under oath, and her husband hears about it but says nothing to her and does not forbid her, then all her vows or the pledges by which she obligates herself will stand. But if her husband nullifies them when he hears about them, then none of the vows or pledges that came from her lips will stand. Her husband has nullified them and the Lord will release her. Her husband may confirm or nullify any vow she makes or any sworn pledges to deny herself. But if her husband says nothing to her about it from day to day, then he confirms all her vows or the pledges binding on her. He confirms them by saying nothing to her when he hears about them. If, however, he nullifies them sometime after he hears about them, then he must bear the consequences of her wrongdoing. These are the regulations the Lord gave Moses concerning relationships between a man and his wife and between a father and his young daughter still living at home. Deuteronomy 29. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab, in addition to the covenant he has made with them in Horeb. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land. With your own eyes, you saw those great trials, those signs and great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or eyes that see or ears that hear. Yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. 
When you reach this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out to fight against you, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gedites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives and the foreigners living in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people that he may be your God as he promised you as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am making this covenant with its oath, not only with you who are standing here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here today. You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them their detestable images and idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath and they invoke a blessing on themselves, thinking, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way, they will bring disaster on the watered lands as well as the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive them. His wrath and zeal will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will fall on them, and the Lord will blot out their name from under heaven. The Lord will single them out from all the tribes of Israel for disaster, according to all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. Your children who follow you in later generations and foreigners who come from distant lands will see the calamities that have fallen on the land and the diseases with which the Lord has afflicted it. The whole land will be burning waste of salt and sulfur, nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no vegetation growing on it. It will be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in fierce anger." All the nations will ask, Why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this fierce burning anger? And the answer will be, It is because this people abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the covenant He made with them when He brought them out of Egypt. They went off and worshipped other gods and bowed down to them, gods they did not know, gods He had not given them. Therefore, the Lord's anger burned against this land, so that He brought on it all the curses written in this book. In furious anger and in great wrath, the Lord uprooted them from their land and thrust them into another land, as it is now. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on Him, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of His people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. This story, we are being reminded of God's rhythm and practices that remind Israel, 
us, and specifically the second generation of all God is and has done, what we are a part of. It starts with the Festival of Trumpets, which Dr. Reynolds points out links back to Numbers 10 and God's victory over adversaries in battle. Then there is the Day of Atonement, and Dr. Reynolds points out that the right attitude is described here. But instead of deny or afflict, as written in verse 7 of the chapter of 29, Dr. Reynolds suggests maybe a better translation of the Hebrew verb is humble. Humility is the important attitude toward the Day of Atonement. The next is the Feast of Booths, linked to the Feast of the Tabernacle from Leviticus 23, verse 42. This is the longest section of the chapter, which Dr. Reynolds describes as focused not just on God's rescue, but the way in which he rescued, wholeheartedly, with generosity and abundance. The points of the feast is to stay in the covenantal relationship with the generous God. Dr. Reynolds points out that the part where the bulls are being reduced gives this sense of the modern idea of a countdown, of tension. This is staging, it's like a post or a chapter in a story that is moving toward the place where God will put his name and we will dwell with him where heaven and earth meet. We will be his treasured possession and he will be our inheritance. Dr. Reynolds describes chapter 30 as seemingly odd in placement at first, but then he makes this connection of vows back to Leviticus and the story we just read about, the daughters who God called right in bringing their request for inheritance before Moses who took it before God. Dr. Reynolds describes promises in the Hebrew language in this story as twofold. One is a vow or active promise to do something, and then a pledge which is more or more often about a promise not to do something. Dr. Reynolds also points to the fact that this practice of vows seems to be replaced by let your yes be yes and your no be no with a focus on the actions before the Lord in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 33 to 37. That's really cool to connect in parallel, I think. Dr. Reynolds actually points to God editing the Israelite culture, giving women more freedom to make vows and pledges that could and would be honored. In that culture, a father or husband could veto a daughter or wife's vows and pledges whenever they wanted to. But under this revision, a father or husband only has one day, and if he does not veto her vow or pledge or remain silent, it sets the vow or pledge. And verse 15 indicates that if he tries to veto it after it is established— she bears no sin for breaking faith, and the sin is on him. This was actually quite countercultural. It was also interesting to note that the woman were making the vows or pledges under her father or husband's name. While this might look like a gender thing, it's more of an authority thing. And I think in a way, I don't know, I think of it like the human relationship to God. Remember, we're made in his image, meaning he gave us a portion of his power and authority, and we're to bear his name. So it's like the husband or father is him, and we are the women in this relationship, kind of like later in the New Testament where Jesus is the head of the church, and he's described as the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. It's not for us or ours. We are given this power and portion of authority to steward. We are called to bear his name, reflect God, putting him on display with our representative portion of power and authority in creation and community. And I think there's something, I can't quite work it all out, but there's something about, you know, he gives us this time to go back to him if we've kind of strayed, I feel like. There's like this, you know, this 24-hour, there's like this period, I don't know that it's necessarily 24 hours. But ultimately, I think the point is he'll honor the vow or pledge. So we can either yield our portion of power and put our vow and pledge 
in him and in his ways, or we can pull away. And then there's lots of talk of what happens when we pull away. He's not covering. He's not interceding for us. And then Dr. Miller describes in Deuteronomy 29 as a covenantal refresh with a call to the here and now in an action and a focus on the future for the people and a place where God will put his name and dwell. Dr. Miller points out, but in this speech by Moses, there is this new piece of information given, an acknowledgement of what we've been observing. Moses says, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. That's uh, Deuteronomy 29 verse 4. After this, the narrative goes back, but it actually puts words to the tension we've been feeling. This tension is a central part of the book, the story. There's this need for a savior, a Messiah, a high priest and a king. The need for Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit is becoming clearer. I noticed this pattern in the Old Testament. The story of God with us starts with a couple, moves to a family, a tribe, and then a nation. There are leaders and priests given, prophets, judges, and later kings. And yet, the tension remains. The rebellion continues. It seems to be showing every way humans could try to do it without Jesus. But we've been learning and will continue to see, we just can't do it without Jesus. We see Moses pointing back to chapter 10 where we read about the need for a circumcised heart. And then here Moses says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. That's Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. And then in the next verse, we learn about how this gracious intervention, as Dr. Miller describes, it will reverse all that has happened. The curse will fall on their enemies, but those that choose another way, God will give them over to what they vow and pledge their hearts to. They will not be written into the story because they opted out. Yet those that accept this gracious intervention and received a circumcised heart will find that obedience will become more normal. And as Dr. Miller describes, prosperity will be restored and God will delight once more in blessing his people. This message from Moses is prophetic and completely recalibrates the story. It's so cool. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.